look at a couple things this morning. I want to, there's kind of two directions I'm going to go, but hopefully it'll all work out together. Uh, what we're on right now on this track with the heart, hands, and feet is we're, we're we've spent, this will be the third week now on Thursday nights where we talk about the heart and heart health, and we're kind of connecting them to Sunday mornings as well. Um, we've kind of laid foundation for heart, having a good heart, having a healthy heart. And um, Janelle and I shared one night. Uh, Claude and Yvonne shared last week, last Thursday night. It was great. And we heard some great testimonies from that night already. Different ones have told me, and I know I've talked to Claude a little bit. But just some great testimonies of how God, in we, we take some time for activations and, and just praying and allowing the Lord to heal areas of our hearts that we may even not be aware of that are, that are hurting. And w- there have been a couple testimonies where God would highlight, the Holy Spirit would highlight a certain memory from childhood where, where they sense rejection or abandonment or whatever. And um, in the middle of that moment, then when we just went before the Lord and said, Lord, you know, where were you in all this when this was happening? And it's amazing how Jesus just reveals himself in the memory in that moment. And that one revelation of Jesus in the pain of that moment is tremendously healing and freeing. And so we've seen, you know, different ones, people just starting to uh, blossom in their hearts. And really, that's the ministry that Claude and Yvonne have, the re- uh, Restoring the Foundations ministry that they do. And, and um, I'll always say it, if, if you haven't gone through a, a good, at least a week thorough RTF, I highly recommend it. It's just amazing. I think Ursula, you can talk to Urs and Myra after too. I mean, this is amazing. They went through it uh, just like a month ago or whatever, and look at, they've got a new baby already. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing how that works. It's like, whoa. <laughs> So anyway, no, I know that's a grandchild. So anyway, but uh, it's so amazing, though, when when we do get our and and the thing is, too, regarding the heart, it's not that we arrive one day and just like, okay, everything's looked after and everything's good. It's a process. Everything. In fact, in kingdom life, everything is a process. And we get so caught up sometimes as humans you know, human doings, where it's like we're, we're trying to get to the destination or arrive at this place of, I want this, a wholeness, or I want, I want to see this. And, and, and I like that, the translation you read this morning in Psalm 23, how it's, I'm going through, it's a, it's a, it's a I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death, my paraphrase. It's just a, sh- death is a shadow. But I'm going through it. It doesn't say, I've arrived in the valley of the shadow of death, or I'm staying in the valley. It's this process you're going through. And we all go through stuff. And so it's like that, too, with the heart, too. It's a process. So on, on these Monday, or uh, not Monday nights, don't come Monday. On these th- uh, Thursday nights, the teaching, then, is not just to do something for people, although there are activations and it's very helpful. But we want to equip people with tools so that they can just have an ongoing lifestyle of keeping a healthy heart. And, uh, and just continually, you know, growing in the Lord. It's amazing. We've gone through RTF. We've gone through other inner healing things. But even on Thursday night, I'm sitting there, and we do this little activation. Is there any memory or anything that, Lord, that you want to reveal, that you want to heal? And all of a sudden, I just went back into this thing, and I, I saw this, this scenario, and I'm going, wow. And it's funny because that was something that even came up when we did the RTF back a year and a half, two years ago or whatever, which is interesting. So it's not like a checkbox where, okay, I've arrived at that destination. I've done that. I've done that. I've done that. It's a process. Just nudge your neighbor and say process. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I say process. (laughs) 
But anyway, so it's this whole thing of, of heart, and then we're going to get into the hands regarding serving and engaging with our hands in, in kingdom ministry. And then we're also going to go on to the feet where it's really about um, taking, taking it out, you know, so out from inside out. So as our hearts and as our insides, inside, the inside world of your life gets in a place of healing, gets to a place of um, revelation of who you are, identity, and love, and the message of the kingdom is love. And so once we get that kind of started, then from there, all the stuff we put our hands to and our feet to, it flows out of that place where we're a better represent, representation of who our Heavenly Father really is. So that's really the heart behind it. So join in if you, if you, if you haven't yet. We don't, we're not recording this session, so if you haven't been there, you're just flat out missing it. That was a joke. I got like two little, <laughs> anyway. So if you look at God, though, you know, we often talk about, especially with our ministry, with Catch the Fire, it's a real revelation of the Father's love. And so oftentimes you'll hear a lot about, we'll talk about the loving Father, and you know, our Father, we love you, our Father dearly loves us, and all that sort of thing. But you need to understand that just as much as God is Father in a masculine sense, on Mother's Day, honoring mothers, there's actually a mothering component to God. Scripture doesn't say, you know, mother God or anything like that. But the, the, the gender thing between male and female, it's not one or, or but it's both and. So um, let's just look at a few things here. Oftentimes you think, uh, you know, a lot of people think with, without a proper understanding of God, they think God is the, you know, the disciplinary, right? And if you ask anybody that isn't in relationship with God, isn't born, born from above as of yet, you ask them about perceptions about God, you'd often get, you know, he's the mean guy upstairs or he's the boss that's always watching to see, making sure I'm not stepping out of line and that sort of thing. He's the disciplinary, you know, the disciplinarian one. Um, that might be the mindset of many, many people but yet scripture's loaded with the whole nurturing side of, of God, which is actually more of a, a mothering side of God. I remember when I was like, I, I've shared this before, but maybe, maybe many of you haven't heard, I just, it was like flashback, throwback Thursday. And I thought of this, when I was about 11 years old, uh, my parents ran, they had an insurance business that they ran in this small town we, that um, went to school and we lived on the farm. But So the hub of activity was in this small town. And so there's this, insurance office and, and I would sometimes after school I would just go down to the office and and um, be there and might play with my friends or something but and then I go home when mom was finished work or dad was finished work and one day uh, we were across the street my buddy and I were across the street and we just thought it would be fun to try smoking and so we're walking along the sidewalk and I, don't ask me why I did it this way like it wasn't too smart but so I'm walking across the sidewalk like this going really slow, looking for some longer cigarette butts that weren't quite totally used. See, that's very good frugal, right? So it's very gross. I didn't even think of how gross it was. It was like, didn't even think of it. So we're walking, but the thing is, we chose to walk across the street like this, right across from the, the insurance agency. So mom's sitting in there working, and she sees us out there, and she's like, what are they doing? We're walking down the street, we're like this, really, really slow, and then every once in a while we'd bend up, be like, yes, there's like, there's like at least three drags in that yet, you know, pick it up, and never smoke 
ever before. Didn't even know how to smoke. And so we, we picked up all these cigarette butts, filled our pockets, and then we went to the playground. And we used to have the, remember playgrounds back in the day, how unsafe they were? <laughs> remember that? Teeter-totters, oh, I, sorry, all you millennials, just bear with me for a minute. We'd have like teeter-totters where the goal was to come down on the one end and see if you could launch the guy off the other end. It's like up and down. And the, the merry-go-round things that you, you could easily just get your finger cut in there and just whoop, it's gone, you know. Like so many things that were completely very unsafe but very fun. <laughs> and so anyway, we went with this slide. I don't know if you guys remember those slides. They looked like a cone and they had a little door in them. They had stairs in the middle. And then, and, and then the slide went around the outside. It was all metal and, you know. We went inside the slide, and we lit these things up, and I grabbed it. Instead of puff pulling on them, I, started, I was blowing in them. So I'd light it up, and I'd be like, like I was trying to blow up a balloon. So that was, my, that was my smoking experience. Never sorted it out. But then after that, that night then, my mom comes and says, Hey, Trev, what were you guys doing out there across the road? I said, What do you mean? Well, I saw you walking on the sidewalk, and you're looking down, and da-da-da-da. I'm busted, you know. And I, so what do I do? I just flat out lie. I was ashamed. I was fearful. So I hid. So I flat out lied. And I said, oh, we were just out walking along, you know, nothing. Why, you know? And so didn't, so, so totally flat out lied. She's, oh, okay. I knew she knew. But I thought maybe I could get it over on her, you know. So day went by. It was, it, was like, it was like three days in hell for me. It really was. Because this was eating inside me so much that I would flat out lied to my mom. And I, I, I just knew that she knew. And that was just bad news, right? So I just two or three days go by. And I had rough nights. And for the next couple nights, those few nights, I just couldn't sleep well. I'm like, oh. And I'm praying. And I'm asking God to forgive me. And I kept asking. And I was, you know, the whole thing where I'm scared I'm going to go to hell because that and all that kind of stuff. And I was just like, wrestling this out. Finally, one night, it was about two in the morning, I got up and I went into my mom and dad's room, woke my mom up. I said, hey, I need to talk to you. So we go downstairs and I said, you need to promise me that you will never tell dad what I'm about to tell you. So she did. She said, okay, you have my word. I said, okay. And then I just went, boom, I busted into tears. I'm bawling and shared my whole thing. And she goes, I know. It's okay. I forgive you. Let's pray. So we prayed and that was the end of it. So, but it, it's interesting. And the reason I share that is because of this. It's because so many times we think of God as the disciplinary one, which he is, father, you know, disciplinary. But we miss the nurturing side of the mother, you see. And yet, God in his nature is nurturing. We're going to look at some scriptures in a sec, but he's nurturing in his nature so that we'll boldly come to him and just pour out our complaint, pour out our hearts and, and release that, you know, not being fearful of him. So that's the nurturing side. This is what's wild, though, about that story. It was years later. I was in my 20s now. It was probably 15 years later. And I'm talking to my dad one day like he knew the whole story. Well, he never had a clue. He goes, you did what? And I'm like, didn't mom tell you? And he, he, no, she never told me. So I called mom. You didn't tell dad that we were out smoking or trying to smoke or whatever? And she's like, well, no, you, you asked me to promise. that." I'm like, whoa, that's amazing. Respect just went, you know. Anyway, my point is this, this nurturing side of God, that, that the mothering side of God, if you will, is so powerful, and it's seen in Scripture in quite a few places. How about this? Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, where, where, where Almighty God is going to pass before Moses, 
And it says this. It says, and he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the, uh, uh, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Another scripture, I'll just, I'm going to rattle through a few here, but Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says this, For the sun, uh, the sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Jesus is exactly like the Father. And um, some have a close relationship with Jesus, but they have a very distant relationship with the Father because they see that side of him, that, that angry side, you, you'd think. But if he's exactly like the Father, you know, Jesus even said to Philip, he said, you know, Hey, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Matthew 9, 36, this is kind of cool. This, this is showing the, the nurturing side or the mothering side of, of, of God. Matthew 9, 36, when Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I know a common passage is Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Paul speaks of of the Father in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3 and 4. It says, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Somebody say comfort. Who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. It's interesting, lot, you look in families and whatnot, many times when a child is, is hurting or, or has hurt themselves or something happens like that, they'll automatically go to the mother for comfort. Would you not agree with me that usually it's the mother that comforts, or am I just the only one that thinks that way? Okay, we got one. Thank you. I got two. Okay, good. Okay, all right. But do you understand what I'm saying? So oftentimes, the 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 nurturing or the comforting side of God is separated from. It's like he's either this or he's that. He's he, how could somebody like that be both and? But it's interesting in Scripture what it says. Um, actually, Isaiah chapter sixty six fourteen. It says, "As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you." Hmm. So it's this feminine side of God. This is interesting. Genesis chapter 1, 20, 26 to 28, says, Then God said, Let us, somebody say us, let, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image, In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So if if I'm created in God's image and Lindsay's created in God's image, there's got to be a side to God that's feminine in nature, mothering in nature. You see that? Like so many times we just separate. It's, it's always masculine, masculine, masculine. And I'm not a subscriber to the, to the, there's a Bible translation out there where it says God. Every time it says God, it's like, you know, he, she, whatever, that whole thing. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is there's a nurturing, loving, uh, comforting, soft, as it were, side of God that, that you cannot know God unless you know that nurturing side of God the comforting side of God. In fact, when Paul says there, you can comfort others with the same comfort that you receive from him, right? 
So this is interesting. So we were made in God's image, which is male and female, the whole being. Every part that is considered a masculine or a feminine attribute is in the image of God. Hmm. So the true nature and heart of God is feminine in character as well as masculine in character. This nurturing, caring, loving side of God. Then in, in Genesis 2.18 it says, Then the Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone, so I will make a helper suitable for him. So, th- so it's interesting. It's, it's very prophetic in a sense because the father was looking to, to, for a bride for Jesus in the future, right? And if you look at this prophetically, just a sequence of events in prophetic symbolism, you don't need much of an imagination, but Eve is the helper, Eve is the bride, the church is the bride, and Adam is a picture of Jesus, the father's son. Adam is put to sleep to birth or create Eve. Jesus is put to sleep at the cross when he died. Adam's rib was taken out. Jesus' side was pierced and blood and water poured out. It's a picture of the birthing of the church. You see that? It's just amazing. I find it amazing. The father wants a bride for his son. Uh, The son wants to give sons to his father. Just look at your neighbor and say, you're a gift. The father wants to give you his son, and Jesus wants you to give you his father. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? (laughs) Yeah. So it's interesting, though, because before, before sin and whatnot, uh, before the fall, God sees Adam and Eve as humankind, as, as one. In fact, they only had one name until after sin entered the world. Isn't that interesting? I thought it was quite interesting. Just look at it in, in Scripture. All you see mentioned is Adam. The, the two are one. And then after sin, when sin entered, then, then it was like, then there's mention of Eve after. It's quite interesting. Anyway, so that's, that's I, I, wanted to, I wanted to lay some of that stuff out just to kind of get you thinking. Now I want to transition because I was also looking into what does it look like in Scripture? Who are some mothers in Scripture? And I'm not just saying this as a token, uh, you know, Mother's Day message, but who are some mothers in Scripture that you think of that were like, man, if I were to honor a mother, that she'd be one that I'd want to honor. Just help me out here. Who would, who would you honor? Bible characters, mothers in, in the Bible. Okay, well, that's good. That's the very first one. Everyone's like, Mary, right? Any others? Naomi? Yeah. Hannah? Yeah, I thought of Hannah too, yeah. Sarah? That's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. Not just because we have a Sarah, but, and you have a Sarah, or no, you don't have a Sarah, but I know what you, yeah. It's a good, yeah, Sarah, Sarai, Sarah. Anyone else? Ruth? Cool, so these are just some things. So what we'll do is we'll look at 18 mothers in Scripture. That was a joke. How are we going to do 18? It's like, it's 11.37. No, let's just look at Mary, okay? I, I do want us to look at Mary, because I feel that Mary is so applicable, not just, to, not just to us as, you know, she was the one that really birthed, was the mother of Jesus, the son of the living God. So not just that, but I think there's a Mary in all of us that God wants to release something of God in us and through us. 
Um, I've talked before about it, but whether you know it or not, you're pregnant. I knew something was going on there. <laughs> you're pregnant. You're pre- each one of it, everything. See, when you, become in, when you come into a relationship with Jesus, jo- pardon me, John says in 1 John, I believe it is, he says he put his divine seed inside you. So God's divine plan is inside each and every born-again believer. There's a seed of destiny, a seed of kingdom life inside of everybody. So I'm, I'm pregnant as it were, with, I like to say, like, I'm pregnant with a move of God. You've heard me say that before. Mary was pregnant with a move of God. She was, Jesus was the initial move of God in the earth, you know, to bring in new covenant, right? That was like a move of God. You're pregnant as a born-again believer. You're pregnant with a move of God. You, inside of you, you carry the, the seed of destiny of God's plan for your life, God's purpose for your life, the reason that you were put on earth is inside of you, each and every one of you. There's a process that takes place to birth something. Not going to get into the details of that, but you need to understand, first of all, you need to recognize that you're expecting. Oh, that's a good word, isn't it? How, if you're taking notes and you want a few little pointers here, um, how do I how do I how do I birth this thing that I'm this 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 move this desire this destiny that's inside of me? How do I give birth to that? How do I get? Well, I think the first thing would be just get a revelation of expectation. So many people go through life and they just go ho hum hum dum you know humdrum. It's just like oh here we go. Whatever happens happens, and it's a very lackadaisical lack of purpose, lack of vision, lack of drive to do anything. Because they don't really actually have an expectation that they were put on earth for a purpose and they're expecting something inside. They're actually expecting. So whether you're a mother in the natural or you're not a mother in the natural, that's not the point. I believe because the nature of God is both fathering and mothering, as, as a man, I can have motherly nature, uh, nurturing, a nurturing nature in me, but understand this, that even though I'm not a woman, I can be pregnant with God's purposes. Just hit your neighbor. Don't just nudge him. Hit them. Say, wake up. (laughs) Wake up. You're expecting. So let's go here. Let's go to look at Mary. Let's look at Mary. What a a powerful story. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. There's so much here. We'll see what we can get through. I don't know if we'll get through all of it today or not, but we'll try. So, let's pick it up in uh, verse number 26. Luke chapter 2, verse number 26. Probably the most famous mother in the Bible. Now, in the sixth month, after that, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, a girl who'd never been married, a virgin engaged to be married to a, a man whose name was Joseph, a descendant of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Somebody say Mary. And he came to her and he said, Hail, O favored or highly favored one, for the Lord is with you. Blessed and favored of God are you before all the other women. 
Verse 29, but when she saw him, so she actually saw him, okay? When she saw him, she was greatly troubled and disturbed and confused at what he said, and she kept on revolving or, or turning it over in her mind. What could such a greeting mean? Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, for you found favor or grace, spontaneous, absolute favor with God. And listen, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will, be, he will be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his forefather, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob throughout all ages. And of his reign, there shall be no end. Come on. So what he's doing here is he's, he's prophesying. He's speaking out what was already familiar through prophecy, through Isaiah. Um, Isaiah chapter 9, Daniel chapter 2. So, that she, he's, so she's understanding what he's saying. But then... She says this, this great question, verse 34. Mary said to the angel, well, how can this be since I've had not had any intimacy with a man as my husband? How is this going to happen? This doesn't make sense. And then the angel said to her, keep in mind, she's probably 14 to 16 years old this time, okay? Not that that means a lot in our standard today, right? Because nowadays things have changed a lot. Where, but in, in these days, the, the culture, in fact, I was asked, yesterday I think it was, Carter asked me, they were driving along, and he asked me the question about, about, you know, younger people in the Bible, and they did so much, and they were so, you know, used by God. Why isn't it like that today? And I said, well, part of it is culturally. There, it's just like, I think, part, in some ways, uh, our system, our society that we live by has really, really um, stunted people. You think about it, if, if, if you think about it, like, um, in, my, in my own life, I remember when I was, you know, 12 years old, out in the field driving a tractor and trying not to wrap the 40-foot or 50-foot cultivator or harrow bar around the telephone pole. Well, now to think of, like, if I were to put, you know, when Carter was younger, I was younger than Carter is now, my son, I'm thinking... Dear Lord, I can't even imagine that. You know what I mean? But what, for what I'm not, I'm not bashing the way we do things now or saying it's so much better back then, but I'm just saying it was different, okay? And uh, same thing, but back in these days here, it was a lot different in Bible days. There was a lot more responsibility on people, on children. And, and it's interesting that God always would look beyond the natural, wouldn't he? He'd look beyond the age. He'd look beyond all that kind of stuff, anointing kings when they're teenagers, Right? to rule a nation, to lead a nation. And yet we in our minds think, even, even in this, I remember this, when we first came out of Bible college, I remember people saying, well, are you going to, you, what, you know, what are your ambitions? What are your goals? Do you want to be a senior pastor one day? And I'm thinking, that kind of talk, it, it, I'm not even really interested in that. I just want to be in ministry and life and do what God wants me to do. If he wants me to lead something or not or serve something else, whatever. And so, but there's a mindset in the natural that once somebody comes out of Bible college, they're like, you know, I was 20, I guess, 20 or 21, 20, I was 20, yeah, I came out of Bible college and went into ministry, like vocational ministry. Well, at a 20-year-old, you're thinking, there's no way that that person would ever lead, lead a huge ministry because they're just 20 years old. But in the Bible, in Bible's economy, in God's economy, you've got kings who are teenagers, Think about it like this. It's interesting. I had a conversation with a dear friend named Ben, and we were talking about this, about how in, in, even in the, in the professional sports arena, you've got, you've got kids, you've got 19, 20-year-olds, 20 21-year-olds that it used to be unheard of where they'd be captain of team when they're 
you know, 21 years old or 20 years old. You've got Jonathan Taves, who was a captain at what age? I don't know, was it 19 or 20? You got, you got Sidney Crosby, who was a captain at what age? 19, something like that. Like, this is just, but yet, in, 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 in the mindset of church life and whatnot, in kingdom stuff, we often think, well, no, no, we've got to mature more, or this or that. But I guess my, my point I'm making here, what is my point I'm making here? Why am I even going on that rabbit trail? I'll, I'll tell you, because you need to stop, we need to stop seeing each other after the natural. Because when the angel came to speak to Mary, he wasn't looking at her in her natural state. She was, he was speaking out to her what God's plan was for her. So he was saying, you're blessed and highly favored, Mary, among women. And when he said that to her, she's like, what does that mean? Like, what does that even mean? You found favor with God. Mary was like the most common name in the day that time. So she's thinking in her head, in the natural, why am I any better than any other Mary? What's the deal here? Da, 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 da. But he's saying, no, 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 you're... you're your identity is not in the age that you are. Your identity is not in the name that you have. Your identity is in who he says you are and who he sees you. And he sees what he wants. He sees what you're expecting inside, even though you don't even, you're not expecting it yet. It's like you're pregnant. You're, you're, I'm putting something inside of you that you're going to give birth to. But the only way you're going to accomplish this is if you stand in the, in, in the identity of who I've made you to be. So there's so much in this passage. It's, it's, so she, she's a virgin. There, you, we could talk about that, you know. I, I like to always connect birthing what God wants to do. If you're going to take notes, you can, the first point would be first love. Mary had never experienced that first love in an intimate manner as a husband knows his wife. She had not experienced that yet. But she was virgin in heart. I think God, I think everything that God wants to birth in you, the destiny God has for you, the destiny God has for me, has to be birthed out of that place of first love where it's like um, doing something for the first time. It's exciting and scary at the same time, right? It's like, oh, yeah. Revelation talks about first love in this church in Ephesus that was birthed in Acts chapter 19. And he says, you're doing all these things great. You've got your doctrine, your theology, all that kind of stuff is good. But the issue is your heart. You're not doing it from a place of love and first love. Do what you did at first. Repent or I'll take your candlestick from you. In other words, I'm going to snuff this thing out. So you need to repent. And so th this whole thing about first love is that if I'm expecting, if I'm expecting God to do something through me, there's a big dream and a big plan, I need to, I need to live my life virgin of heart, as it were, that I would be everything, every day is like a new day, and it's like the first time, you know, first time I've ever tried that, first time I've ever gone for it, first time I've ever seen that happen for the first time, that it would not get old. My prayer, you know my prayer is? My prayer is that kingdom life, that I wouldn't get so familiar with kingdom life, like that, that, will, just, that, will, that will just put you right into a rut, and a rut is just simply a grave with the ends kicked out. You'll be in a rut when it's just kingdom life, routine. Oh, we do this all the time, we do this. No, 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 let us be a people that wake up in the morning with a passionate first love and say, come on, Papa, what are we going to do today? What do you want to do today? What's your plan today? How do you want to use me today? What do you... And there's a fire inside, and it's that first love, first, like, passionate first love. So, let's keep reading. So the first one's first love. The second one is this. I already mentioned it, but 
I kind of went off on it, but is identity. The only way that you're going to birth what God wants through you, the only way you're going to become a mother and have offspring, <laughs> the only way, you know, us guys are going to birth what God wants to do through us is if we stand in our true identity. Mary says, he comes to her and he says, he has this greeting in verse 28 that's like, wow, and she says, what does this mean? And she kept on rolling it over and over in her head. But it says this, it says, uh, then the angel of the Lord, verse 35, said to her, the Holy Spirit, somebody say Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the pure, holy, sinless thing, this offspring shall, which shall be born from you shall be called the Son of God. Now let's just stop there for a second. This is really cool. So there's this, well, I'll keep reading and then we'll get back to it. Listen, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also now conceived a son. She's in the sixth month with her who was called barren. Verse 37, for with God nothing is ever impossible. Then Mary said, behold, and this is where her identity gets shifted actually in her mind. Verse 30, 38 says, then Mary said, behold, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be done according to what you have said. And the angel left her. So when she accepted the assignment, she accepted it in her true identity. Her identity was, I am a hand, the handmaiden of the Lord. I'm the handmaiden of the Lord. I'm not just Mary, one of thousands of Marys in the land. I'm the handmaiden of the Lord. That's who I am. Do you see yourself as the handmaiden of the Lord? Do you see yourself as like God's favorite? God, like I'm God's favorite. God's plan for me is like no one else's plan. I'm fearfully and wonderfully uniquely made. There's not another T-Dog on the planet. There's not another Earth on the planet. There's not another Claude in the cosmos. You're unique in what God has for you. It's, it's not that, it's like, well, I know another Claude. Oh, I thought you were that other Claude. There was another Claude from Quebec, and I thought you were, you look a lot like him. No, actually, that, that's, there's no way that's not true. Because I'm so unique, you don't even have a clue. But if you see yourself as just, you know, Joe Blow, I'm, I'm this person, I'm that person, and your identity isn't in how God sees you and how even the angel spoke to Mary here, you're not going to fulfill or birth what you're expecting, right? So, but it's interesting how she was, re it was revolving in her mind. How could that be? How could that be? What does this mean? I'm so blessed and highly favored. Like, what? And she has this conversation inside of herself. And then all of a sudden she says with this boldness, she just goes, Behold, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. I just think it's funny. It says behold there. Right there. I don't know what your scripture says. but So what it tells me is that there was a bit of emphasis Emphasis for you Canadians. There was an emphasis on, on that. I am going to do this thing. I'm going to birth what God wants to birth through me. I'm going to become a mother. I'm expecting. So keep on reading. So identity, that's the second one. Um, then the third, the third one is this. Basically, where he says, she's like, how can this be? How's this going to happen? And it's not going to happen in the natural. It's going to be supernatural. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. 
Now we get into the, the nurturing side or the feminine, the mothering side of God when, when he talks like that. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Let's see, let's read. Um, yeah, let's go to uh, Habakkuk chapter 3. Says here, it says Habakkuk, uh, prayer of Habakkuk, Habakkuk the prophet, sent to an enthusiastic music, triumphal music. O Lord, I've heard the report of you and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work or renew your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make yourself known. In wrath, remember mercy. And it says God came from uh, Teman, which represents Edom, the Holy One from the most uh, from Mount Paran in the Sinai region. Then it says this, it says, his glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. And this is what's neat. It says, and the brightness, and his brightness was like the sunlight, raised, streamed out from his hand where there was sunlight, or where there was sun-like splendor. For there was the hiding place of his power. So this is a, it's a picture of, 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 of God and his majesty and his power. And the words there used to describe where the rays came from, from, his, from his hands, it's also a picture of like a mother hen uh, coming and sitting down on her, on her chicks or on her eggs like this, and they'll tuck them in like this. Maybe a better, better place to look at it, go to Psalm 91. It's probably a better, you can picture it a little bit better. Are you with me? So this whole thing happening is not going to happen through, um, you know, more education for, you know, through, you know, more striving or greater trying or anything like this. It, it says this, it says, it's going to come from the Holy Spirit overshadowing you. That's how you're going to, that's how you're going to get pregnant. So whether you know it or not, when you were born again, the Holy Spirit overshadowed you. In fact, not only did he overshadow you, but he, 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 he joined himself to you. Paul said in Corinthians that he who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Oh, that's so good. I know you know it, but you really need to know it. Uh, and so, so then what is it that where, how is this going to happen then, this birthing, this expectation, me becoming a mother? How is this going to happen? How am I going to birth what God wants? Psalm 91 says, he who dwells, somebody say dwell. It means to find his abode, to, to settle down into. In the secret place of the Most High shall remain fixed under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For then he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. This is, here it is here, verse number four. Then he will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you shall find your refuge. So you're seeing this picture here again of, of this overshadowing. It's a picture of God overshadowing you like, like a mother hen overshadows the eggs and incubates the eggs. And then the chicks come along, and there they go. His truth and his faithfulness are a shield and a buckler. You shall not be afraid by the terror by night, nor the arrow that uh, flies by day, nor the opinion of man or what they think, nor the, nor the genealogy lineage that you have in the natural. 
nor the uh, mistakes, nor the, nor the screw-ups that you've had in the past, nor the, I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, I'm not a person of great influence, all those kind of lies that we like to throw in there and stuff. He's saying, you shall not be afraid of that. And the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction, the destruction or sudden death, that, way, that, that lay waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. You're going to only be a spectator yourself. You'll witness the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your refuge in the most high your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor any plague or calamity come near your tent. You want to know one of the best, the best remedies for stopping plague? Stopping sickness, stopping turmoil, stopping that. John talked about it this morning a little bit. Is to find yourself under his wing. At rest in him. In the middle of it all. In the middle of the storm. Jesus was sleeping on the boat. He was, he was tucked in under his father's wing. He was experiencing the nurturing side of, 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 of his father. <laughs> he was there. When, when, when you're in the roughest spot, you're, you're feeling like all hell is breaking loose around you, he's saying, that's not a time to try to just do more. It's time to abide. So this birthing of this thing that you're expecting, you're pregnant with, this move of God you're expecting, your destiny, it comes out of a place of abiding in him. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. It's interesting that a hen lays an egg and then there's an incubation period where the mama hen has to sit on the eggs, right? They don't just, she doesn't just lay an egg and then carry on and that's it. I'm not talking about the egg you had for breakfast this morning, okay? She, 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 she you know, pops out these eggs and then what does she do? Then she overshadows them. Her nurturing nature is to overshadow and protect these eggs. And then even when they're chicks... It says that she overshadows her chicks too. She'll actually use her feathers, her pinions, the long feathers on the ends to actually pull them in if a chick gets out here like this to protect them. It's a picture of the nature of God. It's the mothering nature of God saying, I'm going to do this for you. And so the, the deal is when you're out busy trying to make it happen and trying to see things happen in the natural, all this kind of stuff, he, he's saying, no, 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 you've got you to you relax and rest in me. You've got to say, oh, I want to abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Lord, would you just, I just want to experience the nurturing side of you, that you would take your wing and you just tuck me in. You just tuck me right in there. Sit on me, God. So there's this, there's this, this imagery. It's, it's all through here. It's, and then he goes on, you know, <laughs> he will give his angels charge over you to accompany you and defend you and persevere you, persevere you in all, sorry, preserve you in all your ways. Whew. Yeah, anyway, so let's go back. We'll close out here in Luke chapter 2. There's a couple more things we need to see. So this is happening. So he, he, she's saying, how is this going to happen? So it's going to be out of first love. It's going to be your identity. And it's also going to come out of abiding. It's going to come out of the secret place. Then there's this one verse that we have to mention here. You've heard me say it before, but you need to hear it again. Verse 37, it says, for God, nothing is ever impossible. Selah. 
Um, but if you look at that, what that word there is, it just gets me going every time. I, I love it so much. The word there, impossible, is, it means, um, if you look at it in the original language, impossible is no rhema. Sorry, Luke 1. Did I say Luke chapter 2? Thank you. Oh, I was reading in Luke 2. Just kidding. <laughs> I just said the address wrong. Luke chapter 2. Yeah, verse 37. For with, for with God, nothing is ever impossible. Nothing. No thing. That word there, no thing is ever impossible, is the word no rhema. We know the rhema word, you know, the now freshly spoken word of God. So if, if it's translated literally from that word, it would say this. It would say, for with God, no rhema is ever without power to perform itself. I just love it. It's like this. So we know that the word, his word is like a seed, right? And his word we, we take in our hearts and he is the word, but it's, it's alive. It's a living word. He is, he is the word. So he, he comes and his word is inside of us. It could be a prophetic word. It could be a dream, a promise, a destiny. That's inside of us like this. And when that word becomes rhema, no rhema is ever without power to complete itself. That rhema word, that, 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 that destiny, that calling, that purpose inside that you're expecting and pregnant with because the Holy Spirit's overshadowed you, that word inside, the word itself is not without power to perform itself. That word inside of you that you carry, the dream, the desire, the destiny, the power of the word is not in you doing something. The power of the word is in the word itself. That no, nothing is impossible with God. It says, but with God, nothing is impossible. No freshly spoken word from God does not contain the power within itself to perform itself. Oh. Wow. Whew. I am pregnant. <laughs> I am expecting. Whoa. These clothes don't fit anymore. This, this, this is too small. I gotta, I'm expecting. There's got to be some room for expansion. Expectation means harvest. It's, I'm expecting. Unless the seed goes in the ground and dies, it remains but a single seed. But if it goes in the ground and dies, it produces a harvest. I, I'm just here to tell you that what you're expecting is going to look different than the, just that single seed. It's going to be a harvest. It's bigger than you know. <sighs> so, Father, this morning... As we honor mothers this morning, and I'm gonna, I want to pray over us just a, a couple of things. Let's all stand to our feet. Oh, there's a couple of things. Lord, I, I'm asking that today, that as we stand together and we, you know, go from here and celebrate mothers and Mother's Day, I, I'm just believing you, Father, for a fresh revelation of that nurturing side that you are. The, the, the comforting side, Lord. I pray for an increased awareness of that, Lord. I pray for uh, a sensitive, sensitive, sensitivity to come, even to people's hearts where maybe they're not super sensitive. Uh, Father, I just pray for a release of your touch, of your presence, your, your nurturing one. Lord, that we would experience even today the, the tucking in of under the shadow of your wing. So that's the one side of it. Then the other side, Lord, is that we would see ourselves as expecting. We would see ourselves, each one individually, your purpose, your plan. For me individually, what you've called, what you've called me to individually, what you've called us to corporately, that we're expecting. And knowing that we need you to continue just to overshadow us, that we wouldn't go out and strive on our own, but we would allow you 
to sit on us <laughs> so that we could come, come forth in maturity. Lord, that we would know your we would know your touch, we'd know your covering, we'd know your overshadowing. We'd be like Mary and we'd start to identify with who you say we are, not what we sometimes think about ourselves. Ah, oh. and that we would know that this, this, this dream that we carry, your dream inside of each one of us, is so much bigger than what we even understand in the natural. And that that rhema inside of us has the power within it to perform it. Ah, nothing is impossible. And then in closing, as Mary said, we just agree and say, so be it according to your word. So be it according to your word. What you want me to do, what you have for me, what you want me to birth, so be it according to your word. In Jesus' name, 